you take the Word of God and turn with me to the book of 2 Samuel this morning. 2 Samuel chapter number 9. 2 Samuel chapter number 9. I've been, uh, as you all would know, learning in this new parent stage of my life, learning how my son now works and functions and uh, what his, some of what his do's and don't likes are and, and what rubs him wrong and what doesn't rub him wrong. And, um, I, I know in the end what I enjoy. I, I'm, the, I'm the type of guy that likes to form him in all the right positions to take a funny picture of him. You know, He's going to hate me someday, but uh, uh, we're, I'm having fun with him nonetheless. Brother Kareem, if we get a little more volume on this microphone just so they can hear us on live stream. It's a little bit fuzzy. There we go. Good. That, this, this will help us be heard in the nursery too. But uh, in the midst of my getting to know uh, our little Caleb, uh, one thing I've, I've learned about him is he's always so, when he's awake, he's always so curious. Right? When they're that age, they're just looking around everywhere. And whether or not they know what they're looking at or they can even turn their head to look at it, right? they're curious. They're looking on everything with a little bit of interest. And he might be whining and screaming, and I pick him up, and we look out the window, and suddenly, you know, he's just staring out the window. You know, it's amazement. Like, look at the sunlight. Look at the green. Look at the trees, you know. And, uh, and other times, you know, we can be eating lunch in the, in the kitchen, and, and he's out in the, uh, around the, the wall in the corner, and he can't see what's going on, but he knows there's something going on. So he's uh, stirring up a fuss, and until you pull him, up, pull him up and around you, suddenly everything's okay. Nothing's wrong anymore. And in the end of the day, he's always looking around with interest. I want you to notice in 2 Samuel chapter 9, there is a very familiar passage to us, the story of David and the one we know as Mephibosheth. Mephibosheth, say that ten times fast, right? And uh, Mephibosheth being of the family line of Saul. I want you to notice what the Bible says concerning David and the same idea of showing interest. Verse 1, the Bible says, And David said, Is there yet any that is left of the house of Saul? Do you remember 1 Samuel ended through the, by the death of Saul and his sons, the death of Jonathan, uh, the Bible tells us, David's closest friend, uh, and his best friend of that time. And it was not of David's desire that they would have even been slain, that they would have even been killed the way in which they were. He wanted to give them honor. He wanted to give them respect. And he still yet, for the family bloodline, wanted to give the, the family of Saul, the bloodline of Saul, the respect and honor which they deserve. And he says this very interesting phrase, and I would encourage you to mark in your Bibles, uh, at the beginning of verse 1, is there yet any? Is there yet any? You say, what does what this phrase have to do with anything? He's looking with interest. May I say this when it comes to the Mephibosheths of life, the people that God brings around us from day to day, we often forget the Mephibosheths. Amen? We often forget the Mephibosheths. God places people in need. Yes, where some would say, oh, look at the sickness. Oh, look at the sin within their life. Look at, the, look at what they've gotten themselves involved in, and we forget of our opportunity to minister to them. May I say, the greatest picture of Jesus Christ is seen within King David in this passage, and his love for those in need of Christ. But it should also serve as a reminder for us of the care and love which we should show to the unsaved. Amen? Of the care and love which we should show to those who have never heard of Christ. May I say, there are Mephibosheths, who cross our path every single day, but do we give attention to them? Do we show interest towards them? And every person that passes by you in the mall, do you consider the opportunity you have to share the gospel with them? And every person that you see in your work, and by the way, some of you uh, I know are working and driving and that sort of thing, and you stop at many different places, the people you see. Do you take the time to think of the Mephibosheth? How about the, the individuals that you see? For some of you, maybe weekly, you're going by scooters or going by Starbucks and getting a coffee. And uh, the, those, that cashier, have you taken the time to share the gospel with them? How about those people that live right next door to you, that no one's ever shared with them the gospel, that no one's ever, from your house, taken the time to share with them the love of Christ? Have you shown interest in those Mephibosheths? Somebody would say, oh, well, they attend a church. Oh, well, they seem to be a religious Oh, well, they appear to have, have you shown an interest with the gospel in their life? Amen? May I say this? We should never, for any of us, ever just assume that somebody's a Christian. 
I've learned as a pastor, even work in working with a youth group and with a congregation, it's very possible that there could be someone in this auditorium this morning who's never accepted Jesus Christ, your personal Savior. You say, yeah, but they've been attending church. That doesn't make them a Christian, amen? You say, yeah, but, but they, as far as I know, they're a good person. That doesn't make them a Christian. You say, oh, but they were baptized. I know when they were younger. That doesn't make them a Christian. The Bible says that our, our Christianity is defined by the fruit which we're producing, but it's by our own personal decision of having received Jesus Christ. Don't just assume that the Mephibosheths that go by your way from day to day know Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's understand the position of Mephibosheth. We know the story. Here he's lame. He cannot walk. We're likely many others, even though he's of the family bloodline of Saul, would have looked at him and say, wow, he can't do much. Wow, there's not much left for him in life. Wow, he, he really has lost all of his opportunity. And so people in the world today, Christians in the world today, look at society and they say, wow, there's no help there. Wow, look at the impossibilities that are there. Could God ever save that person with all those tattoos? Could God ever save that person who's addicted to those drugs? Could God ever save that alcoholic? Could God ever save that person who's living that type of a lifestyle? May I say, yes, God can save. Amen? Yes, God can forgive. And yes, God loves and cares just as David did for Mephibosheth. And so should you. Amen? So should we. Are we caring? Are we showing with interest? As I think once again of my son as he's looking all the time, looking around, just so curious, just so interested of everything that's around. So the Christians should the same. We're looking around. We're looking for the opportunity. We're looking for the Mephibosheths. Somebody's told me before, they say, man, I just feel like the gospel is just way too emphasized sometimes. Uh, we're just preaching too much about the gospel. You can never preach too much about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen? The good news of Jesus Christ. May that never be something which is forgotten. The Bible tells us that that is why we've been left upon this earth to bring God honor and glory through, through our witness, through our ministering to others, through giving the gospel to, to others of Christ. The Bible tells us uh, of this very thought, have we forgotten the Mephibosheths? Have we forgotten the Mephibosheths? I pray and ask God that Community Bible Church would be an evangelistic church. Amen? That we wouldn't just settle for uh, people who have heard of Christ and just need a church to attend, but that we would go as far as we can, reaching out to the highways and the hedges and look for all the people we can that need Christ, that have never heard, that, that don't have a place, that, that, that don't have a place where they can go and be ministered to, minister to by Christ. May we not settle within our minds. I mentioned this already in, our, in the songs which we sang, and I believe the Lord has worked them intentionally. Little is much when God is in it. Somebody would say, uh, well, uh, look, at, look at how little I can do, but think about how much that God can do for you. Amen? Somebody says, well, look at all the harvest that is there. There's so much work ahead. That's exactly it. There is a work that's ahead of us. We do have a job that's before us. And we will reap a harvest where we place the emphasis. I'm trying to tell you, if Community Bible Church chooses to be an evangelistic church, we'll be an evangelistic church, amen? If we choose to be a church that just attends and just because, we'll be a church that just attends and just because. If we choose to be a church that, that emphasizes upon just uh, our church crowd events, we're only going to gain just church crowd events. But if we look and we reach out and we show with interest towards the Mephibosheth, let me tell you, there's no telling what God can do, amen? There's no telling what God can do through your life when you open yourself up to him. When you say, God, use me to my fullest. God, bring me to someone today. I want to challenge you, if you haven't already made this a goal of your life, ask God, even if it's one person each week, just one person that you can share the gospel with, going beyond just handing the track, maybe sharing your testimony, going beyond just maybe even your testimony, sharing with them the actual, uh, the, 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 uh, the evidence of knowing how that God is actively working in your life. I was sharing with somebody this week, and we were talking about a relationship with Christ. And, and they said, I just don't know if I can have that relationship. I said, I know that I have a relationship with God. And they kind of looked at me with a tilted head, and I said, I know that I have a relationship with God because I've seen him work in my life. How many of you have seen God work in your life? Amen? We know, we know God can work in our life. We've seen him work in our life. And may I say, God can work in the lives of others, too. But it's up to us. Amen? It's up to us. We've got a responsibility so I want to talk to you this morning about 
uh, things that will be true if you're seeking out Mephibosheths. Things that will be true if you're seeking out Mephibosheths. Number one, there will be an interest in the sinner. There'll be an interest in the sinner. We mentioned this a moment ago. Uh, let me clarify to you, first of all, that the interested Christian looks past the sickness. We're not just looking at the sin in others' lives, but we're seeing the opportunity that they have to be drawn to Christ. Amen? Don't just stop and say they could never come to know Christ. Well, I've tried. Well, let me tell you, what God can do through you, what God can do through your prayers, what God can do through your testimony and the way that you live your life is more than we could even in our minds uh, 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 really comprehend. The Bible tells us that God changes lives. Do we believe that, church? Amen? God changes lives. God has changed our life. The day you became a Christian, the Bible tells us that as a Christian individual, if you're interested, you're going to look past the sin. Notice, the Bible tells us in verse 3, as, as David is speaking, the Bible says that, um, uh, that Ziba, the servant, was responding to David, and he says, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. You see, when David looked at Mephibosheth, he didn't say, oh, yes, you're lame. No, he's looked past the sickness. He said, there's someone I can share the love of Christ with. There's someone I can show kindness toward. There's someone I can allow at my table and minister to. There's someone I can make a difference in. David said, I'm looking past the sickness. Oh, Christian, may we not identify the non-Christian by just the sickness. May we look past the sickness and see the opportunity in which they can be ministered to Christ. Amen? May we not just dwell upon that sin. May I remind you, we're all sinners. The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There is none of us that have not sinned before Christ. There is none of us that are not guilty of sin before God. And so therefore, there is no sin which others could commit that, does, that makes them any worse or less of a sinner than you. Somebody says, well, are there degrees of sin? Well, that's another subject for another day. There are some crimes. There are some things which we can do that are, uh, we would say, maybe a scale higher than the other. But at the end of the day, here's what God says. Sin is sin. Amen? As a Christian, may our ministering to others and reaching out to the Mephibosheths, may we never forget to look past the sin. To look past the sin. Yes, I know you were invited to their home and it smelled like smoke and the dog was jumping all over you and they were so distracted by that little one that was crying and yakking the whole entire time. But do you look past the difficulties? Oh, well, they couldn't clean their house. Do you look past it? Oh, well, they, they never give me attention. Do you look past it? Oh, well, they just, they, they're, they're so plugged into sin, there's no way. Do you look past it? The Bible says the interested Christian looks past the sickness. Are you identifying the sinner among the sickness. I think, once again, of the, um, the lame man who I think we shared just a few weeks back now uh, in, in one of the Sunday morning services, talking about the lame man and the, and born of four, and he was lowered down to Jesus. The Bible tells us that here you had men who showed interest in that individual. They brought him to Jesus, and here when Jesus saw the man, he said nothing of the sickness. He looked packed past the sickness, and, and he said, Son, thy sins be forgiven thee. He told him to rise up and walk. Let me tell you, Christian, we can do the same in others' lives. Amen? No, you can't save somebody, but you can lead someone to Christ. Amen? Do we believe that this morning? That we can bring someone to Christ, that we can lead others to Christ. May our church, may our prayer be that we would be interested Christians in the sinners. That we'd be interested in the lives of others, no matter who they may be, no matter what extent they may be involved in concerning that sin. Showing interest. Oh, Christian, the Bible tells us the interested Christian looks past the sickness. Number two, the interested Christian is aggressive. The Bible says in verse 5, Then King David sent and fetched him. He didn't pause and think about his going and fetching Mephibosheth. He didn't pause and consider, well, do I really want him in the kingdom because he's, he's got the sickness? No. He said, uh, he saw the opportunity. He said, God uh, would love the sinner, so I'm going to love the sinner just the same. Invite them to my table. So the same should be for us. I've heard some say before, they say, oh, well, we can't allow such and such individuals in the church. 
uh, not the ones who are involved in so, so much sin, not the ones who are so heavily involved. Look, there are certain levels of distance that need to be had because of crimes that are there, but we should never, we should never shun away anyone, no matter the sin. We should never shun away anyone from coming to the house of God. Amen? The, the unfortunate thing that happens in churches like Community Bible Church is sometimes we have visitors who come and we can clearly see that they're not a Christian or we can clearly see that they're not living for God and we hardly even say a word to them. Amen? Let's be honest before the Lord. Are we showing an interest? Hey, when, when God brings someone by our way, may we show an interest towards them. I've tried to encourage the teens uh, just last night when we were out bowling. I said, hey, how many of you guys got friends that are here? They rose their hand. How many of you guys are related to so-and-so? I said, you guys can't all just bowl with each other. Try to bowl with somebody else. Get to know somebody else. Show an interest in somebody else. Befriend somebody else. And may I say, Christian, it extends right to you as an individual the same. May we get aggressive for Christ. May we get aggressive for bringing others to God. Why must we get aggressive? The Bible tells us in John chapter 9. Why don't you turn there with me, keeping your finger in 2 Samuel. John chapter 9, and looking in verse number 4 and 5. This is speaking of God himself, Jesus himself, as he speaks concerning uh, the will of God the Father, which he's um, fulfilling. In John chapter 9, in verse number 4 and 5, the word of God says, I must work. The works of him that sent me. I'll read that again. I must work the works of him that sent me. Notice how often, while it is day, the night cometh. When no man can work, as long as I am in the world, what does it say? I am what? The light. God says as long as it's day, as long as I have ability in myself, as long as I can get the gospel out, while it is day, I will work the works of him that sent me. And Christian, while it is day, we should work the works of him that sent me. You say, well, what about the farm? Or what about the job? What about my family? What about all these things? God should come before all of that. Amen? God should come before all of that. The Lord gives us even the example of a man's plowing a field and he looks back. May, may there be nothing in the Christian life that causes us to look back. A man plows a field to keep that straight line. He's got to keep focused upon that line. As we do the work of God that's before us, we must keep focused, get aggressive for Christ. I want to challenge you, church. We have evangelistic opportunities all around us, and we're missing our Mephibosheths. Amen? We're missing our Mephibosheths. Hey, I'm preaching to myself today. I miss people all the time, getting so frustrated in my, uh, 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 in my things of life, getting so distracted in my schedule. God brings people by our, our way every single day. Could I challenge you? Maybe it would be you need to grab a stack of tracks on your way out. Make a goal. Pass some tracks out this week. Get the gospel out while it is day. Why must we be aggressive? Because we are commanded by God. Matthew 28, verse 19 and 20, you know the verse. Go ye therefore and teach all nations. He doesn't say, go ye pastors. He doesn't say, go ye evangelists. He doesn't say, go ye missionaries. He says, go ye as in all of you who are followers of Jesus Christ. In this case, he's speaking to disciples. They were followers of Jesus. God says, every one of you who are followers of Christ, go ye into all the world. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Ghost. Teaching them. Yes, we have a responsibility to teach others. To observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. Notice, I have commanded you. Why must we get aggressive? Because God has commanded you. God has commanded me. God has commanded Community Bible Church to not let ourselves settle for just being in our place, but may we go out and get the gospel out to all that we can. Somebody says, well, door knocking doesn't work anymore. I tell you, I've seen the Lord bless just in the past two and a half months or so that my wife and I have been here. Seeing the Lord bless in our door-to-door -door visitation. We've had roughly, to be honest with you, between six to eight people that have only been going out about each week in, a, in, our, in our entire church, six to eight people. But yet God has brought the blessing. And I'm not just talking about young people. We had a, with a young lady who was here this morning. This is about her third or fourth time this week. We met her out on door-to-door -door visitation. It, we had a busy week. It, it, was a, it was kind of a frustrating morning. We didn't get a lot that happened. But let me tell you, God brought the blessing. God brought the opportunity. And if we had said, you know what, it can't be done. We would have missed our Mephibosheth. But God brought that opportunity. 
and we took advantage of that opportunity, and God blessed within it. I mean, I say it's not just about attending church. We've had the opportunity to share the gospel. We've had the opportunity to follow up. We've had the opportunity to, to build a relationship, that first step to, to get the gospel to them. Why? Because we're commanded. Community Bible Church, church member, Christian, we are commanded by God to go into all the world. Are we going? Are we doing all that we can? I'm so thankful for the ones I've had some within the church that said, you know what, I can't go out, but I can make phone calls. Do you have some phone numbers? I said, yes, we have some phone numbers. Now, we've had some that have called and said, you know what, I can't go out, but what can I do? I said, you can label some gospel tracts. We can put some addresses on the back. We can let people know who we are as we pass those things out and I give them a stack of tracts. They put labels on them. That's what they spend for the next hour or so. Hey, praise the Lord, they're doing what they can. Get aggressive with the gospel, amen? May we as a church not lose our opportunity. I'm trying to tell you, while it is day, God says, while it is day, it's unfortunate that the very last thing that comes to our schedule quite often is the Saturday visitation, and uh, I don't think I'm going to go today. It's the very end of the week. It's my last day off. God says, get aggressive. Amen? Get aggressive. You say, well, well my job doesn't allow. Look, we all find ways to do things that we really want to do. Amen? And, and I'm not trying to tell you to go get yourself in trouble and, you know, put posters, God loves you all over the, uh, the White House or something like that. Don't, don't do that, okay? You're going to get yourself in trouble. We're not saying ruining your testimony of Christ. We're saying doing all that you can while it is day to do the work of God the Father who sent us. Amen? May I remind you, why have we been left on this earth? Not just to work a job and make a living. Not just to raise a family and live a happy life. Yes, both of those are great things. They're necessary things. They're important things. But God has commanded us. Commanded us to go. Why should we be aggressive? Because it's a command of God. Number two, because hell is real. Because hell is real. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says, For the wages, that is the payment of sin, is death. Luke chapter 16, verse 19 through 23, the Bible tells us of the certain rich man and the beggar Lazarus. And the Bible says concerning them uh, that it came to pass that the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. And that the rich man also died and was buried. And in hell, he lifted up his eyes, being in torments. You know, the Bible gives us more about hell than it does about heaven. Why should we get aggressive? Because hell is real. Amen? Hell is real. The Bible tells us hell is a place of eternal fire and brimstone. That brimstone has that acidy material as it would come onto your, your skin. It would eat away at your skin. The Bible tells us that, uh, that, that it's an eternal fire. It's an eternal damnation. The Bible tells us it's a place to screaming of crying and wailing and gnashing of teeth. You'll hear the cries and the screams of others. Say, why didn't, why didn't someone tell me? Why wasn't I brought to Christ? Why didn't someone see me? Why did they just see the sickness? There will be others crying and screaming, say, help me, please help me. The Bible tells us it's a place where the worm dieth not, where the worm itself eats away at the body, and the body doesn't burn away, the body doesn't disintegrate, the body just keeps in pain, in pain, eternal fire. Why must we get aggressive? Because there are Mephibosheths that cross our way every single day, that unless you and I tell them, they're headed for an eternal hell. Don't just assume that they're a Christian say, well, they attend the Lutheran church. Don't just assume. They attend the Assembly of God. Don't just assume. They attend another Bible church. Don't just assume. You make sure you hear, as God brings them your way, make sure you hear their testimony if they truly, sincerely know Jesus Christ. And let me tell you, what true Christian would not hesitate to share their testimony of Christ? Amen? If someone really knows the Lord, you can walk up to them and say, hey, when did you come to know Christ? Oh, I remember I was 16 years old. I was 12 years old. I was four years old. My Sunday school teacher, my pastor, my pastor's wife, and that, and, and, and that church member, that testimony. The Bible says, why won't we get aggressive? Because hell is real. There are others who are ahead of you. Let me tell you, if that doesn't stir you up, it should. Praise God, we're not going there if we know Jesus Christ. Amen? We're not headed there as a Christian. For those who we pass up each day without any interest have the very likely 
have the very likely ability to, to have never been shared the gospel with Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us because we are commanded, because hell is real. Number three, because Jesus saves. Romans chapter 6, verse 23, the Bible says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen? You're here today, you don't know Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us, hey, God looks past your sickness, God looks past your sin, and God says, I see a sinner in need of me. I am offering you a gift of salvation. And God says, you can be saved today. God says, you can become a Christian today. God says, you can become a child of God by putting your faith and trust in him. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. For by grace are ye saved through faith. Romans chapter 10, verse 13. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is no one person that God cannot save. Amen? There is no sinner in this world that God cannot forgive. Amen? There is no one person that God brings our way in those Mephibosheths that God cannot use us to minister to them. God says, why should we get aggressive? Because Jesus can save the sinner. You say, well, I can't save them. You're right. You can't save them. But God can change their life. Amen? The Bible tells us the day we became a Christian, the old man passed away, we now have a new life in Christ. You can share with them the new life you now have in Christ. Number four, notice with me, the Bible tells us that we are commanded by God. Hell is real. Jesus saves. But also Jesus is coming again. Jesus is coming again. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 52. The Bible says, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised. John 14, verse 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. The Bible tells us that God is returning for all those who are Christians. Oh, Christian, don't be greedy with God, what God has given to you. Hey, don't be selfish with what God has given to you. Say, well, I'm not being selfish. Well, if you're not giving it out, if you're not obeying God's command, if you're not getting aggressive, you know, I say, you're not being willing to give it either. Amen? The Bible tells us as a Christian, if you're interested in the sinner, you're going to be aggressive because you've been commanded. You're going to get aggressive because hell is real. You're going to get aggressive because Jesus saves. You're going to get aggressive because Jesus is coming again. And when God returns for his own, the Bible tells us it is then that the judgment is coming. There are those that unfortunately we could... We could never go back and minister to. We'd never go back and tell them about Christ, even though we missed the opportunity. But Christian, I'm trying to tell you, we have a community of roughly 25 to 30,000 or more people just in the immediate Norfolk area. There are hundreds and hundreds of houses just outside of these two doors of this church. And we can be knocking on these doors. We can be inviting these people out to church. We can be sharing the gospel with them, inviting them out to our youth activities, inviting them out to our Sunday school, and sharing the gospel with them individually. The Christian, are we doing it? You say, but my schedule, while it is day, I do the work of God that sent me. While it is day, God lays it before us. We're commanded. I'm returning. Hell is real. I can save. Do we believe it? Do we believe it by our actions? Do we show it by our response? Christian, we've got a responsibility. God says there will be an interest in the sinner. Notice with me that not only do we see that the interested Christian looks past the sickness, the interested Christian is aggressive, but number three, the interested Christian is kind. The interested Christian is kind. Look at verse number six, if you would. Verse number six, 2 Samuel. We're back in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Verse number six and seven. The word of God says, now when Mephibosheth, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was coming to David, he fell on his face and did reverence. Boy, what a response to the king. Amen? Hey, let me remind you, sinner, you're here today and you've never received Jesus Christ. How can you come to know him? You fall before him, the king and our savior, and you bow before him humbly and say, God, I'm not worthy. God, I don't deserve you. God, thank you for saving me. Please forgive me of my sins. I'm receiving you into my life. We see such a response of how the sinner can come before God through the life of Mephibosheth. Look at verse 7. The Bible tells us the interested Christian is kind. And David said, Mephibosheth, 
And he answered, Behold, thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. I want you to understand that David's act of kindness was out of a response of love for Jonathan. Okay? That's what I said. This was not out of a response of love for Mephibosheth. Not that he didn't love him. But the reason why he did what he did was because he loved Jonathan. Amen? Hey, Christian. The reason why we should be showing interest in the Mephibosheth is out of response of love for God. Amen? Out of response of love for God. You say, why are you doing what you're doing? Yes, because hell is real. Yes, because Jesus saved. Yes, because God has commanded us. Yes, because Jesus is returning. But why also? Because I love the Savior. I love God. I'm obeying Him. I desire to serve Him. I'm doing what He's told me to do. And there are others in need of Christ. And if I don't do my part, I'm disobeying God. How can I truly say I love the Savior if I'm living in disobedience to Him and the greatest command of all to go into the world and preach the gospel? How can I truly say that I love Him if I'm passing up Mephibosheth every day? Christian, may I say, we need to do more. Christians need to do more. Uh, our, our, we, we see the world in the direction of society and, and Satan's uh, a foothold, which he has, uh, uh, upon uh, Hollywood and upon um, uh, uh, the, the agendas that are being pushed and even politics and leaders and themselves and, and all the resistance to God himself, it is, up, is, it is up to us as Christians to show an interest of kindness out of a response of love for God. The Bible says in 1 John chapter 4 and verse 8, God is love. You realize that when you share Christ with others, you are sharing the love of Christ. You say, well, I, I don't know how to, I'm not the type of person that likes to hug. I don't really like to come along beside people and give them a hug and let them cry on my shoulder. No, you just tell them about God. You're sharing the love of Christ, just tell them about God. Amen? The Bible tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we might refer to this as the love chapter. Charity suffereth long, you know the verse, and is what? Kind. Charity suffereth long and is kind. Hey, true uh, long-suffering, patience, it waits, but yet understand this, kindness, the difference between kindness and long-suffering, kindness is eager to take action. Long-suffering waits upon the opportunity. Kindness says, I'm going to get in there and do what I need to do. Amen? I'm going to get in there and show that kindness. I'm going to get in there and show the love of Christ. The Bible says, charity suffereth long and is kind. In chapter 13 and verse 8 in 1 Corinthians, the Bible says, charity never faileth. You can never go wrong. You can never go wrong with sharing the love of Christ. Because the love of Christ, it never fails. You study that passage, 1 Corinthians 13, that word love is speaking of that agape love. There's three different kinds of love in the New Testament. You can study it out for your own. One of those loves is the agape love. It's a Christ-like love. It's a self-giving love. It's a sacrificial love. It's, it's a not about me. It's about others' love. It's a not about me. It's all about God. It's the kind of love that says, God, I love you, so I'm giving myself to you to be used. And because I love you, I'm going to love others in you by sharing their love. Because God is love. Amen. The Bible tells us the interested Christian is kind. So we've seen first there will be an interest. If you're seeking out the Mephibosheth, there will be an interest in the sinner. There will be an interest in the sinner. Number two, there will be a testimony toward the sinner. There will be a testimony toward the sinner. Look at verse 7 of 2 Samuel 9. Verse 7, the Bible tells us, And David said unto him, Fear not. The testimony which David had to him was of the peace which can be given the peace of God itself, the peace that the king can give. I mean, I say, Christian, if we're truly showing an interest in the Mephibosheth, we have a peace of God to share with others. Amen? We have a peace that passes all understanding. Philippians chapter 4, verse 7. The Bible tells us you have the greatest peace in all the world. John 14, verse 27. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth. Give I unto you. 
The Bible says, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Why? Because we have a peace in the Savior. Amen? We have a peace in the Savior. The interested Christian has a testimony, and that testimony will be towards the sinner about the peace of Christ. Number two, not just God's peace, but God's restoration. Verse 7, the word of God continues. The Bible says, And David saith unto him, Fear not. And he says, I will restore thee all the land of Saul. I will restore thee all the land of Saul. May I remind you the day you became a Christian, God restored you. Amen. You have a new life in Christ. Once again, that old man has passed away. You have a new life in him. The Bible says, God restored you the day you came to know Christ. And God can restore the sinner who's never received him. God can restore the Mephibosheth through your testimony. Through your testimony. The Bible tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a what? New creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You know, I like to share with an individual after I uh, share with them my testimony, how they can know Christ. I say, you know what? The day I came to know Christ, the day I accepted the Lord, I didn't want, I didn't have a desire to do anything other than respond to God in love. I didn't want to do anything other than live for God to my fullest. Because when God saves you, you know what he gives you? A peace that passes all understanding. You, you, now, you say, how can I describe it? We can't because it passes our understanding. God gives you a peace and a subtleness of knowing that you're saved. Amen? That you're going to spend all eternity with God. That you're no longer bound for an eternal hell. You'll now be forever with Christ. But God says, in all that I've given to you, are you showing an interest in the Mephibosheths? The Bible tells us of God's peace, of God's restoration. Number three, notice the Bible tells us of God's table. Of God's table. David says in verse 7, Thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. David, once again, that picture of God himself, the king, the king of all kings, he gives us the invitation to sit at the table with him. Amen? Boy, what a day that will be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one who saved me by his grace. When he takes me by the hand and leads me through the promised land, what a day, glorious day that will be. We're going to sit at the feet of Jesus Christ. We're going to worship him, sing praises to him. Directly, face to face, I shall behold him. We'll sit at the table together with him and rejoice in all that God is. The Bible tells us of God's table. It's that place of restoration. It's that place of peace. It's that place of knowing that God has promised and given it to us. And may I say, when the Mephibosheths are brought our way, we have a testimony to share of that peace, of that restoration of that eternal home which we've been, we've been promised in heaven. God tells us in 2 Samuel chapter 9 on three different occasions where David references and says, you shall sit at my table. Verse 7, we just read. Verse 9, he mentions again to Ziba, the servant. He says, Mephibosheth, thy master, shall eat bread always at my table. In verse 13, the Bible tells us, Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table. And notice the Bible says, always at my table, continually at my table. The salvation, the eternal life which we have in Jesus Christ is forever. Amen? Forever. We'll spend all eternity. I, I heard a kid describe it one time. It's forever and forever and forever and forever and forever. That's exactly what it is. It's never ending. God's eternal salvation, which he's given to you and I, gives us that home in heaven. Amen? With Jesus Christ but it's not for us to keep for ourselves. It's not for us to say, okay, I've got my get-out-of-hell-free card. I can now live as I please. God says, there are Mephibosheths. Go into all the world. Do whatsoever I have commanded you. God says, I am coming again. God says, hell is real. God says, whosoever shall uh, believeth in me shall be saved. God can change the life, and God can use you to change the life. But you've got to personally show that interest. Somebody says, well, it's not that I'm not interested. I, I am interested. But are you doing all that you can? You know, the interested individual takes it as far as they can to where sometimes they're having to change their schedule. 
maybe they're having to say, you know what, I'm going to talk with my boss, see if I can get off an extra hour, spend one hour, just one hour knocking on doors. You know what, I, I'm just going to dedicate one Saturday, even though Saturday is always my day off, I'm going to dedicate one Saturday just to give to God and try to go out and share with the gospel with as many people as possible. Some of us can hardly do five minutes. Amen? I'm telling you, this is where the rubber meets the road. We can believe what the Word of God says or not believe it. God has commanded us. Hell is real. Jesus does save. God can forgive. And God can use you. But you've got to show the interest. God made a difference, or David made a difference in Mephibosheth's life that no one else could make a difference in. And God can make a difference in others' lives that no one else can make a difference in. And he can use you to do it. The Bible tells us of God's table. John 3, 16. The Bible tells us, For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him. John 3, 36. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. God's promise is that those who come to know him will sit at his table together. Christian, do we not see the reason after reason after reason that the word of God tells us to go into all the world? God has given us so much. There are many that have never heard. There are many that have never truly been explained in detail the full gospel. I shared with someone just a few months ago, and asked, after I shared the gospel with them, I asked them, had anyone ever told you this before? They said, no. No one's ever shared this with me. There are people in the world today, it's not just in the, 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 the jungles of Africa. They're in America, too. The Bible tells us of those apostates, of those false religions, of the uh, man-made religions, the belief systems that exist today that are doing nothing more than, uh, than forming cults and, and traditions. There's no service and love towards Christ in most cases. There's no biblical obedience within it. There's not even a biblical obedience to what the Word of God says in many cases concerning salvation in many of these religions. I always say with religion, religion in the end is what causes planes to, drive, to fly into twin towers and kill thousands of people. That's what religion does. Religion never saved anyone. Amen? It's God who saves. And it's God who can use you to lead others to Christ. Let me give you the last thing here, and I'm done. The Bible tells us if you are truly showing an interest in the Mephibosheths, there will be persecution from the sinner. There will be persecution from the sinner. We've seen that there is a testimony toward the sinner. We've seen that there will be an interest in the sinner, but there will be persecution from the sinner. What do you do when you face persecution? God tells us, as, as we can see in 2 Samuel chapter 10. Why don't you look in chapter 10 real quickly here with me. 2 Samuel chapter 10, and looking in verse number 1. We often don't think of the story of Mephibosheth and continue it into chapter 10, but the very same actions which David is producing in chapter 9, he continues into chapter 10. Look at what verse 1 says. And it came to pass after this that the king of the children of Ammon died. And Hanan, the son, reigned in his stead. Then said David, I will show kindness unto Hanan, the son of Nahash. And his father showed kindness unto me. There's that word again. I want to show kindness to Mephibosheth. I want to show kindness to, to these others who have no even connection to Saul. Notice the word of God continues. And David sent to comfort by the hand of his servants for his father. And David's servants came into the land of the children of Ammon. And the princes of the children of Ammon said unto Hanan, their lord, Thinkest thou that David doth honor thy father, that he has sent comforters unto thee? Hath not David rather sent his servants unto thee to search the city and to spy it out and to overthrow it? Wherefore Hanan took David's servants and shaved off the one half of their beards and cut off their garments in the middle, even to the buttocks, and sent them away. The Bible tells us that rather than receiving the kindness he humiliated the very people that were sent by David. Rather than receiving the kindness, instead there was a response of, we would use the word, persecution. Hey, Christian, no one said that giving the gospel is going to be easy. No one said that sharing the love of Christ is not going to have some pushback. I want to tell you, in the number of doors that I've knocked just in Norfolk alone, there's been a few that have been slammed in my face. You say, that doesn't feel so good. It doesn't. 
There's been some people that have yelled at me and said, you know what, I'm not interested. No, thank you. I don't want anything to do with it. You say, well, they're just being rude. Call it persecution, call it what you will, there will be a resistance. Amen? There will be a resistance. Not everyone's going to receive the love of Christ. You say, well, how could, they, how could they not receive it? You know, that's the question I ask myself. How could anyone not receive the love of Christ? I think the truth be told, the reason why many won't receive is because they've never really understood what it is. Amen? Christian, it's getting past the church invitation. Get past the religion. The come to my church. Get past the I'm from Community Bible Church. And jump right to the end goal and say, hey, I'm here to tell you about Jesus Christ. Amen? The Bible tells us there will be persecution from the sinner. In verse 9 in 1 Samuel chapter 10, the Bible says, When Joab saw that the front of the battle was against him before and behind, he chose of all choice men of Israel and put them in array against the Syrians. Look at verse 11. And he said, If the Syrians be too strong for me, then thou shalt help me. But if the children of Ammon be too strong for thee, then I will come and help thee. Notice the charge which Joab gives to the men in verse 7. Notice how they face this persecution. Number one, we see the challenge of every Christian. Uh, and the challenge is this, verse 7. Be of good courage. God says, yes, there will be a resistance. And how do we respond to that as a Christian? Be of good courage. Joshua 1, verse 6, the Bible says, be strong and of good courage. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12 and 13, the Bible says, Beloved, think is it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you? Uh, Peter himself says, do you think it's weird that somebody's pushing back against you when you're trying to share with them the, 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 the love of Jesus Christ? There will be others who push back. There will be others who resist. There will be others who persecute. 1 Peter 4, verse 16, the Bible says, Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of your Christianity. You know what the default is for the sinful Christian? Us as sinners, saved by grace, our default is, you know what? If they're not going to show me any kindness, I'm not going to show them any kindness either. Amen? We try to give them back what we believe they deserve. Well, if they don't really want it, fine, I won't give it to you. That's not what David did. Hey, we see it all the way, even though Job has his issues. You study 1 Samuel and 2 Samuel. Job had his own share of, of problems. But Job says, be of good courage. Yes, there's a resistance. Yes, we didn't do anything. Yes, we're not the one who was trying to do anything more than show kindness. But he says, I'm challenging you. Be of good courage. Trust in the Lord. Depend upon him. Believe that he will help you. Believe that he can use you. Number two, we see the expectation of every Christian. The Bible says, be of good courage, verse 7. And let us play the men. That's a wonderful phrase. Play the men, the Bible tells us. What he's telling the men there in battle, he says, hey, there's a, there's a huge expectation of you as men. Be a man in the situation. Step up in your place. Do what you're here to do. You're a part of the army of David, and step into battle with good courage and fight the fight that's before you. And God says, play the man, Christian. Play your part. Do what you know you've been called to do. You know it's a command. Obey the command. God says, you know hell is real. Obey. God says, you know that there's peace that God can give. Share it with others. Play the man while it is day. Be of good courage. There will be resistance. You can't win them all. But the Bible says, little is much when God is in it. Amen? The Bible says, the challenge of every Christian, the expectation of every Christian, number three, and lastly, the devotion of every Christian. The Bible says, in continuing in verse 7, Be of good courage. Let us play the men of our people and for the cities of our God. And the Lord do that which seemeth him good. Hey, if we go into battle and God kills all of us, hey, that's what God wanted to happen? Let it happen. You say, that's awfully blunt. Well, that's what they're saying. Lord, do what you seemeth him good. If, if you don't want us to win the battle, then so be it. If you want us to win the battle, then so be it. God says, hey, Christian, you go into the battle of the Christian life, you prepared yourself with the armor of God, you're stepping in, obeying God's command, sharing the love of Christ with others, telling them of an eternal hell and the return of Jesus Christ. When you go in and you share the gospel with Jesus Christ, there will be that resistance. And here's what you should conclude in the very end. May the will of God be done. Whatever seemeth him good. If God would have for me to go, for, if God would have for me to go out 
for an entire hour and make an extreme effort, an extreme goal, just to try to reach people, and I get no outcome of it from what I can see, and so be it. If God would have for me to go out and three people show up in the church, or I get to lead two people to Jesus Christ, or that one person rode the church bus, then praise the Lord. But no matter what happens, the Lord's do what seemeth him good. Amen? The Bible tells us as a Christian that there, if you have an interest, you'll know and you'll understand that there will be persecution from the sin. Christian, what about you? Do you have an interest in the Mephibosheth? I know I need to show greater interest. I know I can be doing more. Yes, there's time for family. Yes, we need to work our jobs. Yes, we're not talking about those things. We're talking about God's commandment. We're talking about hell is real. We're talking about Jesus who saves all sinners. We're talking about the love of Christ that passes all understanding. Amen? God's given us the most powerful thing in all the world, and that's the gospel. The good news of Jesus Christ. The gospel is more powerful than any ammunition. You can put tanks out. You can put uh, the, the, the highest-powered rifles. Uh, you can get swords. You can get shields. You can do whatever you want to. There is nothing more powerful than the gospel. As we've seen God change our lives through the gospel, can we see, can we allow God to use us to seek to change the lives of others? Hey, we can't do it in our power. But through the power of God, we can. The Bible says, and if some have compassion, making a difference. Are you making a difference? Are you part of that sum? Are you the difference maker for Jesus Christ? Lord, I pray that you'd help us in this time of invitation. I ask, Lord, that you would work and roam freely, that your Holy Spirit would convict, that you would do a special work in our hearts, in our minds, to understand that as Christians, we must get aggressive with the gospel. There must be an interest. Lord, help us, help the one this morning who maybe is discouraged and has gotten discouraged because of a form of persecution which has come their way. May they be of good courage. May they trust in you. I pray for the one this morning who hasn't been doing what they should be and they know that they could be doing more. May they respond to you even this morning with brokenness of heart and an open mind and giving themselves to you to be used to their fullest. I pray for the one this morning who maybe in their work schedule would be so, uh, so difficult for them to find the time. May they trust you to provide the way. May they creatively work in whatever way possible to do all they can to get the gospel. Lord, we understand and we're reminded that hell is real. We understand that you are returning. But Lord, we also are reminded that you forgive all sins and that you can save the sinner. And so Lord, I pray for each and every Christian here this morning. May you do a special work in our hearts, convicting and working. I pray if there's someone here this morning who's never accepted you as their personal Savior, may they understand that God looks past the sickness, that God looks past the sin, no matter who it is, that if they put their faith and trust in you, they can have eternal life. Lord, work in each and every heart here this morning, we pray and ask. In Jesus' name. Let's all stand together. We're turning in our hymn books to hymn number 319. Hymn number 319. Just as I am without one plea. 